You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. I do. How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have. But without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in? You're tired or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX Studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Welcome in. It is the Monday edition after a tough loss for the Crimson Tide down in Baton Rouge, 32-31. LSU gets it done over Alabama. Alabama is uh, now moved back uh, in the polls. LSU moves up, and uh, we'll talk about is there a chance still for the Crimson Tide after two losses by three points uh, for the Crimson Tide, the loss to Tennessee in a hostile crowd, and uh, Phil go barely going over uh, the uh, uprights and uh, and then uh, the uh, uh, overtime win for LSU by one and a great job by them going for two. They felt like they had it, had confidence in it and able to uh, get it done. Jordan battled just a little late there uh, at the end and uh, tough on those routes to get picked off. And uh, it's just part of it. Uh, really good game plan by them. And uh, also what they were able to accomplish by the big win for this LSU program. All right, we're going to dive into it. we got a lot to get into. Other SEC matches plus the new rankings that are out. Again, Alabama goes down 32-31. We're going to dive into that. Christian Miller will join us here at around uh, probably 12, 15 or later because we got uh, hopefully Coach Saban's press conference 
coming up here in just a few seconds as well, and we'll throw it right to that. But uh, we are presented by Top Golf for Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf today. You'll absolutely love it. The bowling of this generation with family, coworkers, and friends, a great spot to head out to Top Golf for Birmingham. Also driven by Sonny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go by and see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sunny King Ford. Guys, good afternoon. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, and again, Christian Miller going to join us here shortly as well. Get his take on this uh, tough loss for the Crimson Tide. But I hope you guys are doing well this afternoon. Hard Doing good. To. It's 83 degrees in Birmingham in November. But, yeah, this weekend was something. It, is it true that Nick's not going to have his news conference today because he decided not to go for one? I haven't heard that. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> Think about um, it. Yeah, look, to me, the, the big takeaway is that uh, this is an imperfect Alabama team. And uh, we've known that now for uh two months since Utah State yeah I mean really and and at the beginning of the season I believed that this was going to be Nick Saban's best team and that was largely because of returning uh the reigning Heisman Trophy winner Will Anderson I know people have kind of written us off to some degree um but at the same time I think we have a lot of pride as an organization Uh, I think we need to get focused on you know what it takes to win games, play the game, win the game, prepare for the game. Um, know you're going to go into the game with confidence and understanding of what you need to do to be able to have success at your position, which is something that we need to do a better job of as coaches. So the players feel that way in the game. I think, you know, one of the things we've had four games that have come down basically to the last play of the game. You know, we won two of them. We lost two of them by a total of four points. And we, we didn't execute down the stretch the way we need to. So um, I don't know what that is, but, um, you know, we got to get away from that because, you know, great players, great competitors, you know, they rise to the occasion and make the plays they need to make in a critical times in the game when your best is needed. And certainly we need to do a better job of that. Um, and, uh, I, I think it's a challenge for all of us to, you know, have pride. We're going to play a good team this week, and I'm sure they're going to want to, you know, put up on their mantle. We beat Alabama, too. So um, it's just a matter of, you know, whether we're going to allow that to happen or we're going to go do everything we can to avoid it uh, because, you know, Ole Miss has a really good team. Lane's done a great job there. Um, they're one of the best running teams in the country. They won eight games. Um, so, you know, they're really, really good all the way around. They play good on defense. They're hard to score on. Um, they've got really good players, good running backs, good receivers, quarterbacks playing well for them. Um, you know, they're aggressive on defense. So, and they play good on special teams. So this, this is a really good team. They wouldn't have won eight games. They wouldn't be eight and one now if they, they weren't a really good team. So, um, we got to get ready for the challenge. What are some of the themes of a Elaine Kiffin offensive system that, that you've seen over the past couple of years? Well, I mean, they they do a, a really good job with formation multiples, motions, uh, trying to get the defense to adjust. And then they're basically running, you know, they've got really good running plays, but they're running those same plays out of all those different multiples which try them trying to put different players in different positions 
Uh, so you make a mistake, you have a gap open, and they hit a play on you. So uh, this is one of those got to have 11 guys on the same page doing the right things, or they're going to find a way to get to you. Um, they make a lot of explosive plays in the passing game because they're a very good running team, which is not – you know, abnormal because of the way you got to play to stop the run. Um, they they do a good job of taking shots off of those running plays. So that's what makes it, you know, very difficult. Michael? How would you assess the overall body of work for this Alabama offense and the job that Bill O'Brien's done? Uh, you know, I, I look, there's things that we need to do better in every part of our organization. Uh, I'm not going to analyze somebody publicly good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, we're all working hard together. We're all responsible for, you know, what we do. Uh, do we need to play better um, on both sides of the ball? Absolutely. Uh, we got to play better up front. We got to make less mistakes, you know, overall organizationally. And there's not a, a coach or a player in this organization that can't do things better Right, to help our players have a better chance to be successful. And I think the players themselves also have to be accountable uh, and go out there and do things that they're supposed to do, especially in critical times in a game. Charlie? You always talk about playing to the Alabama standard. Is there maybe something you can pinpoint with this team that maybe they haven't lived up to that quite? Well, you know, first of all, I don't think it's really fair to the team. Uh, to create the kind of expectations that get created, you know, for the team before they ever have a body of work. Uh, but that's kind of the nature of the beast in this day and age. Uh, I think being able to handle that, not putting pressure on yourself to try to live up to that expectation sort of creates a lot of anxiety in some cases. Uh, you put pressure on yourself, whatever it is, which means you're really focused on outcomes, not process. And I think that's the biggest thing that um, we got to get our players back to do. When I say you got to focus on what it takes to win and enjoy winning, that's what I'm talking about. Not the pressure to win and then the relief when you win rather than the joy that you won. There's a difference in all that. And I think I'm not blaming anybody for it. It is what it is. Right? But you got to be able to handle that and not let it affect you. And um, I, I've done, I guess, a pretty average job of getting our players out of that mode. You know, the, the pyramid downstairs doesn't say win the SEC championship. It doesn't say win the national championship. It says be a champion. And these are the things that you have to do to be a champion. And if you can do those things, you have a chance to win a championship. All right. So if your focus is on the championship, then are you really focused on doing the things you need to do to get there? And I would say that's the thing that we need to do a better job of focusing on. Chase, stay up Last week, you mentioned some of the limitations that Bryce has had in practice with the shoulder. Can, can you give us a sense of how he felt going into and coming out of the LSU game? Yeah, well, all indications in terms of what he says to us, to me, to the medical staff is that he feels good, that he's fine. Um, 
I guess you would have to ask him to really get a sense of how he feels. But he is telling us that he is fine. He said he was fine in practice relative to what he did. And um, so, but look, we need to do a better job around Bryce. Uh, we got to protect him better. Can't let people push the pocket on him. Um, we got to do a better job of running routes so that we have trust that people are going to do exactly what they're supposed to do. And then we got to read it out and throw it to the right guy. You know, that was the goal going into the game, and that's something that, you know, we need, we all need to do a better job of. Will Anderson said he didn't feel the defense was fully locked into the defensive play calling. Just why do you think that was? And also, what were some of the mechanics that led to the, the 12 players being on the field for the final play? Or the final play with Malachi running off? Yeah, well, they were in – we were in dime personnel because they had receivers in the game. Um, and they went to two tight ends and two wide receivers, which we wanted to play that in regular. All right, so that's why we had to change personnel. We had to do it from the time they ran off the field, ran on the field because they're over there in a huddle. All right, so, but it didn't affect that wasn't the issue. We were lined up. We were ready to play. We played what we were supposed to play. We just needed to tackle the guy, you know, a yard shorter than what he made. So um, that 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 wasn't an issue. Two more, Kirk and Antonio. Uh, yes, Coach. Uh, there's perception out there, various perceptions as to what role coordinators play in the actual game performance. And I'm not being talking about Alabama, but I'm talking about in general. And I wonder if there's a, a, your opinion of that or if it's uh, too complicated to quantify, maybe. Well, you know, I hear every play that's called. I hear every defense that's called. Um, and I have the right to veto every one of those things. So uh, do I think coordinators are in an important position of leadership and have a huge impact in preparation, you know, for a game? Um I don't think there's any question about that. I don't think anybody would question that. Um, but ultimately, the responsibility for what happens on the field, you know, comes down to me. Right? Because I have the right when we're planning to say we need to do more of this or we need to do more of that. And um, also have the right to say we're doing too much. We're not doing enough. We're not taking advantage of this. Um, is this too complicated for the players? So that's that's all on me. Uh, now, are we all responsible to some degree? I think anybody in a leadership role in the organization is responsible. And everybody has to be responsible and accountable for their role. And I've kind of defined those roles. But the ultimate responsibility is, you know, with, you know, whoever's in charge. Finish with time. We, we didn't see Terry on against LSU. Just is there an update on his status? He was sick. He had the flu. He missed um, Tuesday through Friday practice. Kind of got better, um, but hadn't practiced all week and was still feeling pretty weak. So um, that's the reason he didn't make the trip. All right. Thank you.
right, Coach Saban there at his weekly press conference. we got more to get into uh, as far as the SEC, the rankings from not only the coaches poll, but also the AP. we got the CFP coming out tomorrow night in his second round, and we'll see where that lands. But Georgia by far the uh, number one team in the country. And also Auburn, five straight losses. And Cadillac Williams trying to get the Auburn fans fired up and get ready for that A&M game coming up uh, this weekend as well. So a lot to get into. Stay with us. We're live from AVX. We got Christian Miller, former outside linebacker, and now part of CTSN. Also our Ty Tailgate show as well. So uh, he'll be with us coming up next. Stay with us. We're live from AVX. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Why wait to save? Dell Technologies Black Friday event arrives early with select deals on top tech to power business productivity. The savings start now with up to four. With the low at 64, tomorrow another unseasonably warm day. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high at 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in as we continue here, hour number one on this Monday edition. Tough loss for the Crimson Tide this past weekend, 32-31. And uh, four plays, as Coach Saban brought up, has come down to the final, or four games to the final play. So four plays, really. And in those, they won two games. Four points, the difference in their losses by three and by one. And uh, this Crimson Tide team still not looking like what we've seen and uh, past uh, Crimson Tide teams and especially championship teams. But still, only four points separate them as far as the uh, the two losses so uh, also a lot of things to look at and uh, say that you know the things uh, have been good in certain spots good moments but just have not been the consistent team uh, throughout this year that we've seen in the past let's welcome in christian miller former outside linebacker he joins us each and every uh, week and uh, today on monday having a chance to get his thoughts on this uh, tough loss the crimson tide now dropping down in the polls do they have a shot to get back in it you'd have to see two losses by LSU with uh, their games coming up, uh, with Texas A&M being one of those. But we'll, we'll continue to talk about that a little bit later on. Let's welcome Christian in. And uh, Christian, always great to have you on. I guess start by just kind of your initial thoughts about this game this past weekend. Yeah, Jay, it really was a, a tough one, man. You know, we knew it was going to be a tough game in a hostile environment. And, um, you know, we just went in there and, you know, we, we, you know, we did some, some good things. But ultimately, they're just – you know, again, it was just uh, just not not the best play by Alabama that we've seen. You know, I saw some poor tackling by the defense, and then, you know, it just you know, it seemed like we were failing to capitalize in the red area. Kept settling for field goals, and um, you know, it, again, but even with all that being said, it still came down to that that final play, like we've seen, and we just couldn't get it, it couldn't get it done uh, when it mattered. Christian Bryce Young made some spectacular plays, but. I'd say, for the most part, he just seemed a little off. Was that your impression as well? And do you think that is a function of the injury he sustained against Arkansas several weeks ago? Yeah, I saw that too. Um, you know, he he didn't connect with some throws that he usually would connect with, and um, you know, but like you mentioned, he he did step up and, and made some um, spectacular plays, and. Um, it, it could be possibly maybe his you know shoulder was bothering him a little bit. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, obviously it still was a tough road game and that could play a factor. But 
Um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, you just you, you got to make them make them count, and uh, we just we just couldn't get that done. But I don't know. I guess we'd have to kind of see how he looks going forward. But I think he's had some time. I think they've been managing him and practicing and making sure that he's had time to kind of rest his shoulder. So I, I'd imagine it's starting to feel a little bit better as time goes on. Christian Miller is our guest here on the Jay Barker Show and Network. He, he joins us on a regular basis here, but is also a sideline reporter for the home games for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And also um, glad to co-host a show with him on Saturdays on Tide, the Tide Tailgate Show. Uh, the tweet from uh, Tim Williams has uh, tweaked a lot of interest here. Uh, former, you played with this guy. He was a, a really a great player, played several years in the NFL. Man, I don't know why Saban let Scott go. Cochran made sure the team mind was on savage mode at all times. When he left, the heart left with it, Saban. Uh, Saban was the brains, but Scott Cochran was the heart. You see now that with Kirby, um, he's getting them boys right. Um, you and I have talked about this personally. Is a little grr, grr missing from Alabama this year? You know, and, and I, I can understand exactly, you know, what, what, he, what he's seeing. A lot of former guys might say that, you know, because, again, we're going to be biased here with Scott. And, you know, throughout the years when we were with him, you know, he was vital to our team. He always, it's true, he always just had us prepared, you know, mentally, um, whether it's, you know, the practices or pregame or whatnot. You know, he was just so important. And, you know, we spend more time with the strength coaches than we do any other coaches. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think Scott just was, um, you know, awesome when it came to having us prepared mentally and, you know, it's hard to replace a guy like that because you got to remember he was with Coach Saban um, for the long haul. You know, so he had a, a deep understanding of what the process was and and how things worked, and, and he had been through everything with Coach Saban, all the winning and, and, and the losing as well. So I mean, he had a, a really good understanding of how all that stuff worked, and um, I, I definitely do feel that you know he's a huge piece um, to a lot of success that we've had around here, and, and it's tough to replace a guy of that magnitude. Hey, sorry about that, Christian. Uh, yeah, and uh, go back to Cochran real quick, and I understand the fans want to point to that, but th there were reasons why uh, he left and, and went to Georgia outside of just the, uh, the the normal kind of reasoning as to, uh, and I, I, I don't want to pour any any flames on the fire, but th there were there were other reasons why uh, than just you know the co the coaching aspect of that he wanted to be on the field and all that kind of stuff, and then he battled with those things there. I mean, he 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 was. Uh, in a sense, uh, put on leave for a while uh, at Georgia. I'm not even sure where he's back as far as if he's back as special teams coordinator or what, but uh, he's been, he's battled some demons for a while, and I, and I think that had more to do with than anything else uh, with him leaving Alabama. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure about it. So I can't really speak on that because I don't know, but I, I will say in, in, in terms of you know, the strength staff that we have now, they do a phenomenal job. You know, They use cutting-edge technology. I've worked out with them myself, um, trained um, for the NFL and whatnot, and and those guys are awesome. They do a really good job as well. Um, but with me, you know, speaking on my experience with talking, I also can understand why, you know, former players might feel um, how they feel in terms of um, not having him around because he, he was so vital to, to us during our years when we were uh, with the program. What do you think can happen now for Alabama as far as just get, getting back on track? If you're in that locker room, former player, you're a great leader on your team. You know, to me, this is where the players kind of have to step up again to lead this team. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, this is going to be a critical point because um, it might be easy for some guys to try to just, you know, write season off now because it looks like, you know, the playoff hopes are um, pretty, pretty, pretty much done. But the thing is, 
Um, you still want to create value for yourself. You want to create a legacy. Um, the last thing you want to do is just go out there and, and you know not play with as much enthusiasm or effort um, because you know you're still playing for that that name on the front of your jersey as well as the name on the back of your jersey. So the um, best thing you can do is just go out there and, and, and finish strong, man. I mean, I, I think you had mentioned it. I mean, if you if you look at it, these two losses were against two top ten teams on the road in hostile environments um, with a total of four points. Uh, that were decided on the last play of the game, right? So, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, all the dynasties over talk. I feel like it's a little overrated and, and to, oh, people are overreacting. I mean, because, you know, if those two plays go any differently, you know, these, this team would still be undefeated in the playoff hunt looking to win uh, another national title. So, and I'll even say this. I'll speak on that last play, right? Um, the, the, the people just, uh, talking about it looking like that Clemson play, if you look at it, it looks like Alabama's playing man, right? They send Taylor in motion on a fast motion. It's creating a bunch of looks. You can't stick with true man in those looks, especially in the red zone or the goal line area because you have the threat of love routes or getting picked. So it looked like there's a miscommunication right there where they should have went to a bunch check, meaning the guy, first guy inside takes the first guy inside. And the guy on the outside takes the first guy outside. And they basically pass this guy as all. Um, and so, again, with that little cleaned-up error, I mean – they, they win that game. So, um, with all that being said, man, these guys still have a bright future. I don't think by any means dynasty is over. Um, now I think they just need to go back to the drawing board and they really need to look themselves in the mirror and, and, and focus on every little detail to make sure that they find a way to win these games and, and don't put themselves in a position to have to win a game on the last play. Christian, uh, even today, Nick Saban used the word anxiety. And it seems like every time there's a microphone in front of him, that word comes out of his mouth. Uh, and he's referring to his players. His players are, are either practicing with anxiety or playing with anxiety or just are being consumed with anxiety and not following, you know, the process, right? Don't focus on end results. Don't focus on outcomes. Focus on every play sort of being a living, breathing organism. Do your job on that play, then erase that from memory, move on to the next one. What, why do you think Coach Saban is, is, is using that word so much when it comes to describing this team? I think, honestly, it's because a lot of these guys now that we've recruited in the program, you know, they're inheriting a lot of a lot of what was built before them. And there's probably a lot of pressure on these guys knowing that, hey, every team before them has won a national championship. All these guys have gone on to be these great players. And there's a lot of pressure on these guys to, to I mean, a lot of uh, big shoes to fill. And I'm, I'm sure um, these guys are probably just overthinking it and, and and, and that's what he's trying to preach to them, that you don't have to, to focus on those things. Just focus on going out there and doing your job, and um, everything will take care of itself. Um, I, I think that's definitely something that they need to probably you know, work on in the offseason, just making sure that people understand how we do things around here and uh, making sure we're not getting away from those things. I mean, you can't focus on everything that people have done before you, but you have to respect you know, how things were built around here, and, and you just have to follow up that tradition. But without letting the pressure get to you, I think right now it's just – too much pressure that these kids are facing and whether that's with the NIL stuff, whether that's, you know, the success we've had here before. And there's just so much going on, man. I think they just got to go back to the basics right now. I think that's the most vital thing that they can do. Christian. Christian, what are Alabama's opposing defenses, much as LSU did Saturday night? What are they doing with the wide receivers? Um, 
to where, you know, they're not letting them get separation. Uh, they're not basic line, you know, bottom line here, Chris, is they're not letting them get open or Bryce can't find them. Uh, what are they doing defensively? Because this is a pretty talented wide receiving core. We just hadn't had anybody break out, maybe other than Brooks. Right. Yeah, man. It's, it's tough to say. I'd have to really probably watch the, like the film copy to be able to actually see, you know, what they're doing on the back end. It's hard to see sometimes watching TV copies. But, um, you know, one thing I would say is, I mean, from what I've seen, I, I would just, if, if I'm following the plays, I would try to do a, a, a nice job of putting my guys in position to make plays. If that's the case where we just, if our receivers just can't get separation, I'd move these guys around, send them on, you know, motions and whatnot and really try to confuse the defense. Um, the best you can to, to set them up and put them in that position. Um, because you're right. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, we should, we have the players to, to make those type of plays. We should be able to be more effective, you know, throwing the ball down here field and, and putting these guys in position to make plays. Christian, always good to have you on, my man. Thanks for being with us. Your insight and uh, Alabama's got to bounce back from this, finish the season. I know they got a lot uh, got to happen that they can't control. Uh, be a loss to Arkansas, a loss to Texas A&M for LSU for both of those losses. Might put them back in the hunt, but a uh, lot's got to happen in front of them. But all you got to do is keep working at it and uh, get back to work each and every day. But thanks for your time, my man. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you all. Thanks, Christian. All right. Christian Miller yes, joining us outside linebacker. Crimson Tide NFL and uh, works with CATSN. Has been working with them on the sidelines this, this week, uh, or excuse me, this year, and also this year with Matt Coulter on the Tide Tailgate Show from Tide 100.9 FM, our flagship station. Stay with us. We'll be back. More to come and more discussion on can Alabama have a shot to get back in the playoffs? Uh, how long of a shot is that? And uh, also more on some of the rankings and uh, who's sitting at the top right now. Who do you think will be the CFP? We probably brought it up last week, uh, but uh, who will be the top four coming up tomorrow night? Stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating. Nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called 205 205- 
909-709-7373 and schedule an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at Williford Chiropractic and Wellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. It handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205 716 Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's C. Letter O. amazing um, you know you look at what brian kelly coming from notre dame a really tough start for lsu at the beginning of the year and uh, man what a rebound they've made and a difference he's made i mean they look lost at the beginning of the year and now playing with so much more um it's like understanding of kind of what he's wanting out of them on offense and defense and uh, making some great plays there especially uh, at the end in order to win that game and again we saw the storming of the field. I don't know if you guys uh, had a chance to uh, catch any of that there at the end or some of the video from that. Pretty interesting. Uh, and, and Coach Saban even kind of brought that up about how that this is, you know, for LSU and for Tennessee, huge wins to beat Alabama. And, um, you know, what they've created over the last 15 years means so much to these fans once they're able to finally take the Crimson Tide down. 
Yeah, it's a, a huge win for LSU, considering what uh, the Tigers have been through uh, since winning the national championship. And uh, this was really a coming-out party, a, a star-making performance for LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. Um, he just... I thought he just played lights out. Uh, and for the most part, this was not a uh, th- this game was not a thing of beauty, right? It, it, it was sloppy, but um, Daniels uh, threw for 182, uh, ran for 95 on 18 carries, and to me, he was he was the best quarterback on the field. Uh, and uh, I, to, and also Matt, you know something just seems off. And I mentioned this to to uh, Christian, uh, our our last guest, Christian Miller, uh, that something is just not right about him right now because he, yes, he made some spectacular plays, absolutely spectacular plays. And you think where would this team be without Bryce Young? This team could have three losses. Yeah, three losses right now, quite easily. And um, but uh, you know he, he completed less than fifty percent of his passes, um, and he he can only do so much. And and final point is that uh, Alabama just is not the same team on the road. I mean, they went into Baton Rouge a thirteen point favorite, and uh, and 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 look, they barely escaped Texas. I mean, I know we want to say, oh, well, Alabama's only, uh, their two losses are a combined four points. Well, look, they beat Texas by one point. Uh, and Texas, e- 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 yeah, and, and, but Texas easily could have beat Alabama. And, uh, and, and just, you know, the, the, the 23-point win over Arkansas in Fayetteville was impressive. But, um, you know, uh, to me, this wasn't a fluke. This was what sort of we saw coming for a long time. And look, at the beginning of the season, I really thought this was going to be Nick Saban's best team. Uh, And I obviously was wrong about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, and and one one final stat for you. Uh, In Nick's since 2008, Alabama has played in 175 regular season games. There have only been three of those games where Alabama has been eliminated from realistic college football playoff slash BCS contention, but now they're going to add three more to that total because Alabama is not making the playoffs. No, that would be the most bizarre circumstances we've ever seen, and I guess there was some odd ones a but few they, years ago. But no, they that, don't, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. Well, no, no they're, they're not one of the top four teams. I, mean, I don't even know if they're top ten. Um I mean, I'm going to kind of crystallize it into one view from, from me, and I've thought this about halfway through the game, and I'm still thinking about it t- today. Um, I you don't want to put it all on one, but this receiving core can't separate. They can't get open. Bryce can't throw them open, and that is domino-affecting the entire offense. Wow, I just threw the keyboard across the room in my <laughs> effort. Yeah, to, very emphatic, <laughs> emphatic about that. Yes, I am. But – I I can't find anything else that I can put my finger on because Bryce Young isn't throwing the football like he used to. Well, is that because he's off? Is it because he's shoulder? No. I think it's because the guys can't get open. And then, adding to his frustration, when they do get open, they drop the damn football. And I can't imagine as calm and cool as collective. By the way, after that touchdown, he comes over there and he's smiling on the sidelines. What a classic guy. Yeah. Uh, just really, really funny stuff. 
But even a cool, calm, collected Bryce Young, Jay, you answer this, has to be frustrated with the fact that his receivers can't get open. And when they do, not every time, but in crucial situations particularly, they drop the football. Yeah, it's not been a good year uh, for the receivers and guys that we thought would step up and in those roles. And, you know, some of that goes back to, like, when I look at the stats and I look at 51 passes for Alabama, what, 27 or 28, I think it was, for LSU, um, you look at uh, just the lack of a really power running game. I mean, normally Alabama has that big back, that guy that's the, the stud, right, the guy that's going to be a pounder that you can run the football off of. That's where you get the explosive plays because the safeties begin to cheat up. They're not cheating up now. Uh, they worry more about uh, the, the, our, our running backs on the edges. They worry more about them in the pass game, and there just is not the running attack. Um, and and I, I don't know if that's because of – you know the lack of of guys. I mean that, that the running back room is pretty pretty healthy as far as the five guys that are there. We've seen certain moments throughout the year. We've seen some power running and some things, but just not that dude, man. And, and they don't really. I mean, I, I love Henry Toa Toa. Henry's going to be a great linebacker at the NFL le- le- level, but there's not the Reuben Foster. There's not the guy that just comes in and knocks your head off um, and creates that pressure. Uh, Will Anderson got held, you know, pretty much the entire game as he has in the last four or five games not making an excuse for him, but it's just the facts. If you go back and look, uh, there's one clip a guy put out that's unbelievable, about 20 different plays where, I mean, it's just obvious uh, things that are going on, especially up front there for Alabama. Uh, but still, you know, look, if you're a dog, you, you make the plays. You, you fight through it. You get the penalties called. You talk to the refs throughout the game and tell them that you're getting held and draw that attention towards yourself. Uh, we've seen other players that the coaches do that kind of stuff in the past as well as other teams this year, but – yeah, I mean, offensively right now, they just they seem out of sync. And, and I, I do think, Lars, the inner injury, injury and, I, and I brought this up a couple of weeks back, saying, look, you know, when he comes back, you got to remember he hadn't thrown, he hadn't done much of anything uh, besides the running game that last week against getting ready for Tennessee as far as passing the ball. That's going to hurt you as far as your rhythm. I mean, he was in the, early in the game looked very off as far as throwing the ball at their feet. Uh, you know, at times getting rid of the ball where maybe he may have extended a play and tried to find somebody down the field. I think, too, they they got to be, do a better job. I, and, and I'll say this, Jameer Gibbs probably does as good of a job of any of the guys out there, and he's the running back as far as working his way back and giving Bryce a chance to make a play when he is in scramble mode. So uh, still a lot of work to be done. And, um, look, I, I'm not going to give up on him yet. There, Yeah, you, you say there's no chance. There, there always is an outside chance. It's a very, very small chance LSU would have to lose the two games I talked about with A&M and also with Arkansas coming up this weekend. Yeah. And at least they're back in position. You never know what's going to happen up front. If they do that, they get into the SEC title game. If Alabama's facing number one Georgia, who right now is the dominant number one, and they go in and dominate that game, if they're able to make it back in somehow, uh, that would be uh, a great statement for them. So I'm not giving up on them yet. And I, and I definitely don't want them to give up on the season as well. They need to finish strong. And, and if it's not for this year, it's for the years to come. Yeah, I mean, anything's possible, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but Did you pick up a Powerball this weekend? <laughs> it's not uh, that long of a chance. But Alabama, bottom line, they're no longer in control. No, 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 no. They need a, an, an immense no amount control. of help. And yeah. and, 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 and also, let, let me just say, no two-loss team has ever made the college football playoffs. So but a two-loss team has won the national championship. It's never happened. 
Not in the not in the not in the not in the CFP era, but yeah, Jay. On, on the other side, I really want to get your um, opinion and analysis of the decision by Brian Kelly to go for two to try to end the game at after that first overtime, and what the logic was that went into it, and then the actual play itself. If we could break that down. Also, I've got the biggest what if of the game. All right, sounds good. Let's dive into it and uh, much more to come here on the other side. Stay with us as we wrap up hour number one. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. See America in your new Burton Campers RV. Be certain with Burton. Burton Campers at exit 231 on I-65 in Calera. Nobody sells RVs for less. Air with the low at 64. Tomorrow, another unseasonably warm day. The sky partly to mostly sunny. The high at 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. I say they get a chance. They get a shot. All right, uh, we've uh, we're yeah, continuing like on. Yeah, uh, hey, we, we, we've got uh, Eric uh, dumb Eric Vince uh, Nostrand, uh, who was the Alabama staff. I don't know if you guys we've talked about as far as the uh, on the field after the games situations going on with teams rushing the field after, especially as Alabama wins the last uh, two with uh, Tennessee and uh, LSU. But uh, Eric Van Nostrand, uh, he uh, got into a situation uh, after the game, and, and guys. I've known Van as he goes by for a long time now and uh, just an incredible human being, number one. But uh, he is an ex-Purple Heart Marine. Um, I would love to have seen if uh, the police didn't step in and that guy approached him and put him in harm's way because I think that guy had been on his knees pretty quickly. Uh, not Van, but the other guy. Um, and that, that, that not only according to what I know, but from uh, other people that have seen him do Certain things with certain people uh, at times <laughs> that uh, would have been destructive uh, for that LSU fan. But he held his cool, went back and did the right thing and proper training, got the police, escorted him out. But, um, again, you just don't want to see these type of situations that could easily have gone into a really bad situation very quickly. Yeah, uh, agree 100%. But uh, I, I just want to circle back to what uh, – well, Just one note yeah, on that. Ahead. A woman – uh, an LSU woman was injured in trying to get between some type of a retaining wall that surrounded the stadium, and she's in stable condition. This stuff's got to stop. Yeah. Uh, somebody's going to get killed. Yep. Somebody's going to get killed, and most likely it's going to be a female student because uh, the, the, the smaller the smaller person doesn't usually win when there's a uh, massive storming of the field and trampling and, and getting smothered and it's just bad. But um, Jay, what did you think of Brian Kelly's decision in the moment, right? Uh, Forget the outcome. We know what the outcome was, but what did you think of his decision to go for two there 
And what did that say? Is he not have full confidence in his kicker and his special teams? Or is it just, hey, we got the momentum. We just scored on the very first play of our possession. Let's just keep this thing rolling. And if you're the quarterback, Jay, what what would you have wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, I think at that point in time, you're at home. Uh, you got a, you got a chance to go and just end the game. And, um, you know, instead of going on and continuing overtime, I think he was more worried about that. And that, hey, we, we've scored. We've got a shot now. We can go up by one and win it. Uh, with this two-point conversion, and um, man, what what a gutsy call! I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you get you believe in your your guys, and you feel like, okay, right now we feel like everything's kind of moving in our direction. We got momentum, and he took full advantage of that. I mean, what a, what a great play by them, and what a great play by Mason as well, uh, the tight end. Um, you know, and he's got a lineage himself of a dad that played, um, you know, under Coach Saban at, at uh, for the Dolphins. Uh, Jason has actually been very. Um, outspoken about his uh, his thoughts about Nick Saban and how he sees it differently when he left uh, the Miami for Alabama and has been a big supporter of Nick Saban for his son to be the decision maker there at the end was uh, pretty amazing but uh, yeah I think it's I think it was a good thing that uh, that they I mean that Brian Kelly believed in his guys and was able to get that uh, done one thing to believe in him another thing to execute and that's one thing they were able to do there at the end and and I thought I thought Christian Miller made a great point I mean at that point in time when you got man like there instead of trying to stay in man you, you got to switch that off and there's certain calls you can make so i'm not sure those calls weren't made or that they didn't go into the game plan thinking that direction but a lot of times you hand those things off and try to get that guy covered man to man a very tough situation there in that two-point conversion scenario all right we'll be back hour number one wrapped up hour number two coming up we'll continue this and much more stay with us Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. The fit specialists at the New Balance Birmingham store conduct an in-depth analysis of your foot size, shape, and gait, determining the best New Balance shoes for you. Experience the difference of custom fit today at the New Balance Birmingham store on Highway 280 next to Chick-fil-A. New Balance Birmingham. Your feet will thank you. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option. High-intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for high food treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHEALTH.COM. I'm excited to tell you about our newest sponsor here on the Jay Barker Radio Network. They pioneered the Chicken Finger Box and the Chicken Finger Restaurant. That's Guthrie's. Guthrie's recipes and processes are often imitated but never duplicated. Look, their sauce is probably the most copied sauce of all sauces all time. And I've known this family since my days down in Tuscaloosa. And they came over, and man, I tell you, it's nostalgic even today to see my kids going to that same Guthrie's. And great family. Do so much for the community, but more importantly, provide the best when it comes to chicken fingers. Get out to Guthrie's today. I want to tell you about my good friends at Southern Assurance Group. Hi, it's Jay Barker, and look, Ken Needham has done a terrific job. Local company, 205-980-1505 is their number. That's 980-1505. Again, local, you can speak with the same team every time you give them a call. Full line of products from Auto Home, Boat Life. You'll trust them. They have a great uh, deal as far as the relationships they build with their customers and 20 years with the same company and industry. Custom approach for your insurance needs. Give them a call, 980-1505. That is Southern Assurance Group. 
Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Whether it's for lunch or dinner, head out to the Cajun Steamers, a New Orleans-style joint that serves authentic Cajun and Creole food, cold beer, and great drinks. They are known for their wide array of Cajun classics and original creations prepared in an authentic fashion. This Louisiana kitchen can have you slapping the table for more. Stop by the Cajun Steamer and sign up for your Alabama, LSU, or Auburn fan card. Eat with the Cajun Steamer while your team is on TV and use your fan card to receive a 15% discount on your entire meal. With locations in Hoover, Trustful, Huntsville, and Franklin, Tennessee, they've got you covered. Head out today to the Cajun Steamer. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan.letterC.letterO. Birmingham's best Mexican restaurant for over 20 years and counting. That's La Paz Restaurant in Crestline Village and Mount Laurel. They've got a great staff. Its delicious menu, award-winning cheese dip, and margaritas and vibrant atmosphere have helped to make La Paz a local favorite. Blue corn nachos, Texas barbecue quesadillas, steak and blue quesadillas, Baja fish tacos, signature fajitas, and much, much more. So head over to La Paz today. If you want a great lunch or a great dinner, you'll find all that at La Paz, Crestline, and Mount Laurel for lunch or dinner. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Who you are is more important than what you do. The only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in, you're tired, or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult because you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight. 
Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX Studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Welcome back in. Hour number two underway as we continue talking about Alabama. Tough loss to LSU this past weekend as well as some of the other big matchups and games. Clemson goes down really bad to Notre Dame. Uh, what a game for them and uh, something they can really put as far as uh, on their uh, resume, especially for the first-year coach as well. But uh, a lot to get into as far as the polls, kind of where the Crimson Tide sits now. Auburn now five straight losses. Can Cadillac Williams turn the tide in a sense for them and uh, get things moving in a more positive direction uh, for Auburn after five straight losses. So a lot of things happening. Uh, also coming up tonight, you got Alabama men's basketball, Longwood Lancers coming into town at seven 30 before that though, at five o'clock, you got the women's basketball versus Alabama A&M. So that game, the women at 5 PM there in Coleman Coliseum, then it's the men versus Longwood uh, Lancers at seven 30 uh, coming up uh, afterwards. So doubleheader basketball, men's and women's tonight in Coleman Coliseum for a lot of you listening in, wanting to uh, get a chance to go out and watch some uh, college basketball tonight there in T-Town. We're presented by Top Golf at Birmingham. It is the bowling of this generation, we call it. You'll love it. The atmosphere, the fun, a lot of events they do out there each and every week. Get out to Top Golf of Birmingham. Also driven by Sonny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go by and see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sonny King Ford. All right, guys, we've gone through hour number one, kind of explaining, looking at, and uh, trying to give our perspective on certain things uh, throughout the Alabama-LSU matchup this past weekend. Uh, Alabama now sitting at number 10 in uh, one of the polls, and I think 11 in the other. Um, kind of where would you guys right now as we look at uh, the the, uh, the top four and maybe all the way through the top 10, uh, do, do you like where – I know you don't like where Alabama is sitting. Do you agree where Alabama is sitting as far as their spot? What would be kind of your top four and maybe even the top 10 um, as, as you look at it right now, Lars? Yeah, so my top four uh, would be Georgia. Very impressive against Tennessee. And, uh, hey, we, we called it on Friday. It's all about Stetson Bennett. And and I'm now, Matt, <laughs> I've gone from I could play. It's like me playing football when Stetson Bennett is taking a snap to this guy might actually be an NFL quarterback. Really? You've gone that far? I've gone that far. I don't think he's going to be like an elite starter in the NFL or even a starter, but I think he could have a long career in the NFL. Does he have a Heisman shot yet? Uh, Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, C.J. Stroud in that, the the wind in Northwestern, Ohio State Northwestern, was just unbelievable. If you can't throw in that with C.J. Stroud's arm, then it's windy. Yeah, it was really windy. But right now, I mean, the, the the happiest team in America that Alabama got beat was Tennessee, uh, because I I, I think uh, what you're going to see the committee do. I think Georgia's going to be one, Ohio State is going to be two, 
Guess who's going to be three? TCU. And then Tennessee, I think Tennessee's going to be four. Uh, that that would be my top four right now. Where's Michigan? Uh, well, Michigan, they control their own fate. I think Michigan will be five. Uh, but I, I think um, Michigan, you know, they can. All they have to do is uh, go into Columbus, Ohio, and uh, beat that's all Ohio State, and uh, they'll they'll take care of business. But um, yeah, I mean, right now uh, I, I'm seeing some projections, and uh, this would be a really intriguing Orange Bowl matchup: Clemson versus Alabama. Clemson is a little bit like Alabama, Matt, in my estimation. Like they've they've been a little off, right? They've been kind of just getting by, uh, you know, squeaking out games that you think they're going to blow them away. Uh, Dabo had to bench his starting quarterback for a while, and, and and finally it all caught up with them, just like it caught up with Alabama. Uh, but uh, yeah, so th- those are my top four, Matt. What what's yours? I was uh, a little concerned about Ohio State at Northwestern, but, you know, then again. Northwestern is terrible. What they are, but the weather was, you know, it does give you pause. Okay? It does, yeah. But I still think, you know what, the weather was the same for the Wildcats. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, but I would have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan right now. Now, that's going to decide itself, you know, out. Then I'd, I would have, uh, just, I'm not sold on TCU, but you have to respect their record. Then i go TCU and perhaps Tennessee. But I'll tell you who you really need to watch out for. Oregon. And we talked about this. is Bo Nix in Oregon. Yep. And uh, they didn't win. They just throttled. You know, not a good team this past Saturday. But they're a good team. How about you, Jay? What's, uh, what's your top four right now? Yeah, I'm kind of right there with Matt. I like Georgia, Ohio State at two. I like Michigan at number three, though. I like TCU at four. I like Tennessee at number five. I've got Oregon at six. I've got LSU at seven, Alabama at eight, UCLA at nine, and Utah at ten. That's my top ten right now. But I've got Alabama at number eight, four spots out of the uh, CFP right now. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they they come up with uh, tomorrow night and uh, and see whether or not um, you know where not only Alabama's at, but kind of where they put that top four and can TCU. Uh, jump in uh, to the top four and, and be a Final Four team. And with their record, I, I agree with both you guys. I think Oregon's playing really well right now. Um, you know, it's I, I think for us, with, with being in the SEC and, in, and even watching the Big Ten, when, when you watch the TCU, and, and whether it be in the Pac-12, um, with the Oregon, whether it be in the Big 12 with TCU, I think we always think to ourselves, okay, well, you know, what's the competition? Is it near the competition you're seeing uh, in the SEC or in the Big Ten right now? And, and I think we would all agree that probably probably not uh, on paper, especially, and probably not. But still, you got to honor, as Matt said, kind of the records, what they've done, what they've accomplished. Kind of, uh, I think, too, for Oregon, just kind of where they came from from the beginning of the year. They've gotten better game after game. Uh, and getting Bo Nix more involved. He had a catch. He had a run. He had a, 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 a pass, a couple passes for touchdowns. So uh, really putting up some big numbers right now. But uh, that would be my top ten. Bo Nix for Heisman. Bo Nix for Heisman. I'm I'm on the Bo Nix train. <laughs> you need to be on the Stetson Bennett the fourth train. Yeah, uh, either one of those guys. I, I hope they both get invites. Um, but yeah, you know, Alabama's made seven of the eight college football playoffs, and there have been times where at this point in the season, you're like, there is no way Alabama's going to make it in. 
And who knows? Maybe there will be some Saban magic uh, that will Was happen. Twenty eleven or twelve that Alabama had to have uh, Baylor beat K State. It was and then the, Iowa State. It was had the twenty eleven season. Yeah, it was the tornado they season. Ended up winning like, it all, and like three things had yeah. three upsets had to happen on that final weekend, and they all did. And I was at one of them. Did you know that? I was at Baylor. Oh, you call him, we call him nah, the game? No, nah, it's just my daughter got married that day. That was our <laughs> Never mind. What? We, Come on, we, sounds like a good story. Well, she got married that day and we went to a football game that night. You know, I'm just, you know, that's not what every but she's she's a very unusual special child, so uh it was cool. They left at halftime, by the way. Um Matt <laughs> and and then uh, also for Jay, but Matt first, your takeaway from Georgia really dominating Tennessee oh. their their defense looks so good Stetson Bennett was he is gosh his accuracy down big the game, field game. he is just a player it's hard to believe they lost five players on defense first round and then what six total went to the NFL Hendon Hooker never looked comfortable I mean, these these guys were just yeah um and right now if they were to play Alabama I think they'd mash them you yeah um, that's, and that, by the way, that was kind of hard to say, but yeah, uh, Georgia, I think has now distanced them from everybody else. Jay. I mean, they, I, I, I think Georgia, look, I mean, Georgia, I, 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 say Alabama, I, I, I mean, Georgia, I, I, um, I don't, I, I don't have Georgia's remaining schedule up in front of me, but it, if they make it to the SEC championship game and then even get beat by 30, they're, they're, they're still going to make the, they're at Kentucky and then they got Georgia Tech. Yeah, so they they should win out, and uh, I mean, I I think you can already pencil them into the playoffs. But you know, one other thing to consider is those early season matchups where you have uh, the, the different conference teams from different conferences playing each other, and will that Georgia Oregon game mean something to the committee if it comes down to? that that final spot because and and if that final spot goes to an should it go to an SEC team or does it go to the winner of the Pac-12 presumably yes. Oregon and Oregon again they lost by what 45 points or something it was 49-3 yeah so uh 46 points yeah. um so you know those early season games they end up really meaning a lot because that is the only sort of evidence we have of strength of conference, which Jay was just talking about. All right, uh, more to come. And uh, also we'll dive into some of the big matchups around the country and uh, looking at uh, everything that's happened over this past weekend, over the last couple weekends. But uh, Tennessee went down hard to uh, Georgia, and that game is largest brought up and uh, kind of looking back at that 27-13 to 13 win for Georgia, even though it seemed a lot more dominant than even that score. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Stay with us. We're live from ABX. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1225 Sports Bar is the place to be on the strip for your ultimate game day experience. 1225 Sports Bar is located two blocks from Bryant-Denny Stadium. Come meet our staff and enjoy some great food. Air with the low at 64. Tomorrow, another unseasonably warm day. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high at 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Weekend Alabama moves to seven and two, four and two in conference play. LSU is seven and two, five and one in conference play. They move ahead in the West. They still uh, got uh, coming up uh, as far as the Arkansas game next weekend and A and M uh, on eleven twenty six as well. So two more Western Division games, and uh, but if they're able to win at least uh, one of those, uh, they've got uh, a shot. Uh, getting into the uh, the SEC championship, representing the West, Ole Miss still in the hunt as well, and uh, Alabama, Ole Miss face up coming up uh, this weekend. So a lot going on, and a lot to say. One of the big topics uh, after and during the game, and I'm sure you guys, I heard Lars talk a little bit about it early on, was going for the two point conversion instead of going for one. Um, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts about that and some of the feedback you got from I know people that you talked to about that particular situation and that moment in the game. I think it's a real good topic in your rearview mirror. At the time, I really didn't have a problem with the decisions that he made not once but twice to go for two. Both of them didn't work. You know, now you look back at it, well, you know, if they'd done that, they'd won the game. Well, I don't think you can really do that in two-point conversions. I I do really wonder if he'd do a little bit deeper dive on the explanation, though, Lars. Um, Both times you could have gone up one more. And they were a little earlier in the game. It's not like it was late in the game where you felt like it was really critical and you were dealing with the math on a, on a three-pointer and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder a lot more now that the outcome is what it is than I did at the time when he was attempting to go for two. Because had he gone for two, that would have made a big difference too. I mean, had he made them. All right, so let's try to break this down. Uh, there was a, a, a reporter did ask Coach Saban about it. Uh, about going for two twice, and um, Saban uh, sort of uh, punctuated his answer by uh, reaching toward his back pocket saying, I got the chart right here. You want to see it? <laughs> uh, and that did draw some laughs from the room. But, okay, so here's the, the first situation. Alabama, uh, Roydell Williams scores 12-37 left in the fourth quarter. Alabama's up 15-14. to so on the play, Young, uh, Bryce Young throws into traffic over the middle. Ball falls incomplete between Ja'Cory Brooks and JoJo Earl. And what Saban said was, when you're ahead by one point, if you go for two, you're ahead by three. Yep. So a field goal ties the game, so it makes sense, does it not? Well, I, I, I understand Saban's logic, and that it is what the analytics say to do. 
but there is a lot of time left on the clock, so you don't know. It was know. the very first it was, it was, of the fourth it, it, quarter. Yeah, it was 12, 12 37 remaining in the fourth quarter. All right, so then the second uh, attempt for two points came after uh, Ja'Cory Brooks scored a touchdown with 440 left on the clock. 444. So Alabama at this point leads 21-17. And then on the play, Bryce throws over the middle to Brooks, and he had inside position on the defender but couldn't catch the pass. And so what Saban said was, hey, when you're ahead by four, it really doesn't matter. (laughs) It really doesn't matter other than the fact that they got to kick two field goals even though a touchdown still puts you down one. But five points does nothing more than four. Is that correct? That was my logic sitting in front of the TV. And so that follows the same logic. And this was first popularized by uh, Dick Vermeil uh, all the way back in the 1970s. But um, there's a, a, a ESP, ESPN, they designed uh, for the NFL uh, two-point conversions. And in theory, in the NFL... Right, it's easier to score from two yards, and that's where you go for two in the NFL. And in college, you go from the third, the three yard line. So it it heavily in the NFL, it heavily favors going for two when you're up by one point in the fourth quarter. The decision to go for it when leading by four points is less certain, but becomes more favorable to a two point try late in the game which was when Alabama faced that situation on Saturday night. Now, <laughs> and I'm a big fan of uh, 538 and uh, the, the website, 538, all spelled out, and, and Nate Silver. Uh, he does a lot of stuff with elections, but really just statistics. And, um, and he said that the Alabama's first decision when they're up by one, that was a no-brainer. But the second decision when you're up by four – that the call is much less clear, and 538 at that set, at that point said a, a two point attempt and an extra point attempt as having basically the the same effect on win probability, but it didn't because <laughs> Alabama kicked the extra point. You needed that one point, right? Well, Matt? if it doesn't matter, you know, like they're kind of saying here in the analytics, why not just take the point and get out of there? And, and it's a lot easier for me to say on Monday afternoon. Oh, yeah. But I was questioning it at the time. I was like, what are they doing? I, I was questioning it, but are they I doing? understood the logic. <laughs> I understood the logic of doing it. You know, you have one, yeah, one or two. I don't know. Jay, do? Jay, your reaction to uh, those decisions. And, and look, Nick Saban has an army of coaches and uh, analysts who are giving him information. And I'm sure all of this stuff, it, it, it comes down to, you know, obviously score differential, time remaining in the game, and also, ultimately, it has to be a gut feel by the coach. Right, Jay? Yeah, but I think you do rely on the analytics. I mean, it's been going on for, man, it was since I was in the NFL and a little bit in college um, that, you know, you had certain down a distance situations where you had a, a, either a, a chart or something that told you, or whether a coach, um, and, and he, I've seen him now, Mac Brown, the guy stands behind him. Um, what's the guy from South Carolina that was there for years, the head coach, uh, kind of was in, in the camp? SEC. No. Um, God, oh, he older guy. But he, he uh, he's behind him, just flipping through the charts during the game, kind of giving him the green light or, or stop sign or whatever. 
And I, I think you have to rely on that stuff because you've done studies, you've worked on it, and you said, hey, we're committed to this. And, you know, and look, head coach has the ability to, to say no uh, at that point in time. Um, at, at that time, though, Alabama goes up to what, 21 to 17? Is that right? Yeah, 21 17. Uh, yes. They come back down. So, my point on that is so that they could have been up. They could have gone up twenty two. They could have gone up twenty two no, no, seventeen. No, no, to me, that was to me. That's the right call still. Um, and and I've debated this with a number of people. At that point, twenty one seventeen. Look, it, the debate is not about two points or one point at that particular time because you still have a chance if they score to come back down, tie it up, get to overtime. So you're kind of working with all those different analytics, all those different numbers. My problem is that twenty twenty one to seventeen. Alabama's defense has to step up and stop LSU from driving down the field and scoring. That's the key. Don't give them any big plays. Don't let them get the third downs. Keep the quarterback in check. Uh, make sure your defense is sound. Those type of things. To me, it's on the defense. You, your offense puts you up by four points. Then your job is to go out and stop them. And that has not been the case with this Alabama defense in these type of situations. And and, and that's that's where they got to step up and play their game. Alabama's offense did it, got them up by four points, then came back, tied it up again, then got down, got into overtime, did their part. They made the two-point conversion. Defense didn't do their part. I, again, to me, this isn't – there is offensive stuff to be corrected and get better, but they have put up points, and they put this team in position to win throughout the year. Defensively is where we're not being the dogs – as Saban has brought up and other guys, uh, even Christian Miller's talked about that we have been in the past where you shut a team down, you end the game with the ball back in the offense's hands, running the clock out and being that dominant force on that side of the football. So you look, you can talk about numbers. You can talk about twos and ones and all that. When you're up by four points in Alabama, in the fourth quarter, Alabama's defense needs to be shutting them down and not allowing that to happen. Well, and you know what else you're supposed to make those two point conversions, at least one out of two. And Alabama doesn't have the running game to offset that. LSU knew they were going to pass. They knew they were going to pass. One other note on the analytics of the two-point conversion. It goes back at least to my first games when I was covering at the University of Alabama. You remember Coach Bryant used to always have a rolled-up piece of paper. It was actually mm -hmm. a manila folder, and that's exactly what was in there. His decision based yeah. on analytics. And oh. I believe that that folded, rolled-up, uh, folder is in the Bryant Hall of Fame. Wow. Pretty sure of that. Did, did, one question for you, Jay, before we go to break. To me, it felt like Alabama was really in control of the game for a lot of the second half. I thought Alabama was going to win this game. I thought I, the, fir the first drive gave us a lot of false hope. Yeah. I mean, what, what was and, your and feeling was, about the, the ebb and shifter. flow? That was the momentum shift. I mean, the momentum shifter was the interception. I mean, if you kick a field goal there, I mean, there's three points right there that you you should be walking was that ball away with. What's that? Oh God, I got so much I got so much grief over Twitter. I did not think the ball was tipped, and then uh, about a thousand well, people chimed in and said, "You've never been to a volleyball game." Uh, that, <laughs> like, no, I haven't. Well, so uh, sue you me. incurred the wrath of Alabama fans, and they were. They were quite upset. So. No, actually, but I, I, incurred I, the, it, I incurred the wrath of Nebraska fans. Oh, did you? Because really? Nebraska, yeah, well, Nebraska women's volleyball. Uh, I, I, did, oh, I didn't wow. know Nebraska women's volleyball had such a you know uh, intense following and it, it caring about whether or not Alabama wins or lose loses. But no, the ball was not tipped. Jay, I want your answer on the other side of the break. 
All right, let's do it. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More on this and uh, dive into some of the matchups from this past weekend. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHEALTH.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, audio video excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating. Nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called at 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WillifordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205 716 Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. 
It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's C letter O. Some other scores around the SEC. We talked about Georgia's 27-13 win over Tennessee. The Volunteers, who were ranked number one at the time, Georgia clearly number one now. Alabama's 32-31 loss to LSU. Kentucky beat Missouri 21-17. Florida over Texas A&M 41-24. Texas A&M now 3-6, and 1-5 and in SEC play. Liberty over Arkansas 21-19. Hugh Freeze getting a huge win over the Arkansas Razorbacks, they're now 8-1, and 4-1 and one, uh, away. Uh, also, uh, let's see, Auburn, again, goes down to Mississippi State, 39-33, to and South Carolina beat Vandy, 38-27. That's a look at your SEC scores from this past weekend. Lars, anything, or Matt, from those uh, scores of those games that uh, you want to talk about? Really don't want to talk much about the Arkansas game. The Flames came into, the Flames came into Fayetteville and lit a fire. Uh, under my hip, they had a little, uh, what did they have? Some ribs right there. Anyway, uh, that was a tough one. Um, I got to go back. Jay, was that ball tipped or not? I'm just going to get yes or no. And then I want to bring something else up that I just saw on Twitter. I'll be, I'll be honest. I don't think the it was the interception. It, it, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think it was a little like his arm. Uh, he was coming around the guy and trying to throw it. And, and the guy just got in his face and he couldn't, you know, complete the pass uh, at that time in order to, I'm not complete it, but at least make it more accurate than what it was. I I think he was uh, knew his guy was there, saw him for a glimpse and and then lost, uh, lost it. And I think the defense did a great job of creating some, uh, some obstacles for him to to be offline on his throw. You know, I think, you know, he's done it before and he's done it many times and you kind of live and die by that. He's lived by it for a long time. And uh, at that point in time, he just got to be careful. If he completes it, it's an unbelievable play. It's a, Another Heisman moment for Bryce and all that type it. of stuff. I get it. I mean, and look, the guy's done it before. And I, I don't think, you know, you, you look at uh, the plays that he makes, and normally he makes that play. That Normally he's on target. Uh, but that was a big momentum shifter. for Alabama. If Alabama scores there, I'm not I'm not so sure from a psychological standpoint, emotional, especially in, in, with the crowd there and how loud they were throughout the game. If they score, put seven up right then, I, I think it changes the entire dynamic. And I think psychologically and emotionally for the Crimson Tide as well, what happened after that defensively having to come on the field and all the things that go into those type of turnovers are just big. Yeah, I just want to talk about Auburn really quick. Um, look, it's been a tough week for the players, the staff, uh, Auburn fans. And uh, with the firing of Brian Harson and, and man, so many people around the country are labeling Harson the worst coach in the history of Auburn football. I think we need to maybe let that breathe a little bit before we uh, actually uh, make that pronouncement. But uh, Cadillac Williams, um, you know, you could tell that the kids played their butts off for him. Because it would have been so easy 
to throw in the towel. You're down 24 to 3 midway through the second quarter against Mississippi State. And then suddenly the Tigers rally, scoring 22 unanswered to take their first lead of the game with about six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. And, you know, to me, to me I, I know, Jay, there's no such thing as moral victories, but the kids played hard. And this was as hard to me, Matt, and I don't know how much you got a chance to see this game. I watched it with great interest. In uh, but I just thought that Auburn played their hearts oh, out. And what a great show of character by the Auburn Tigers. Well, and and way to go, Cadillac. Th- throw the headsets. Don't worry about it. Be a kid. Be a young coach. Enth- you know, put enthusiasm into your team. That's exactly what he did. Um, I loved it. I, everything except losing it. I really thought with with the, oh, the horrible week that Auburn had had, Cadillac there first time, and then being able to battle back like they did just took some nads and some courage that I didn't think, quite honestly, Auburn had. Carnell instituted, and darn it all, I wish they'd won that game. Yeah, me too. Uh, Jay, do you, I don't know if you were able to catch any of the Auburn game, but uh, do you have a reaction to that? No, I mean, I did, and uh, I thought they played a, a lot better. It seemed like they played more together. Um, you, you could tell by Carnell's comments after the game and, you know, saying, look, you know, look at the week we've been through. I mean, he sounded so much like Deion Sanders. It was unbelievable, just his tone and, and also his cadence. Um, and look, he's trying to, he's trying to give some life, uh, to this. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever seen, and maybe I have, and I'm just not thinking about it, ever seen an interim coach that has gotten as much attention as Carnell has. I think a lot of that has to do with his playing days at Auburn. And I mean, they've really played up, you know, a lot of the aspects of him becoming the first black coach at Auburn, becoming, uh, you know, a former player that's now listed as the interim head coach. And, and I think for him, this is a chance to, kind of show what he can do as a head coach, not for Auburn. Auburn, we've heard from Terry and others that they're not going to go in that direction. The Carnell is not going to be the the ultimate answer. Everything, everybody knows that. But at the same time, what he's doing, the emotion he's providing, uh, kind of putting that Auburn uh, DNA back, uh, back in it as it kind of got lost uh, with Harson And um, just going to see. I mean, I, I, maybe they can finish off strong. I don't want to finish off too strong, especially that last game of the year. Uh, against uh, Alabama, but at the same time, I think this is a great moment for him to kind of show what he can do uh, as a head coach and and lead a team like this. And what better place for him to be than where he played and the love that he has for the Auburn Tigers. And I think Robbie Ashford still has a chance to be an upper level SEC quarterback. I mean he he finished the night uh, with 108 yards rushing and um, and uh, he ran for two touchdowns. And oh, by the way, he did convert a two-point conversion. There you uh, go. Yeah, you could have put Robbie Ashford in the, in the Alabama game for that <laughs> one of those two plays. But um, and and they they fed the ball to Bigsby, best player on the team, and uh, they were right there. Um, I think Ashford just he needs to. Uh, or uh, actually, let's go to the expert here, Jay. What do you think Robbie Ashford can do just to improve his? accuracy throwing the ball because he has all the other things that you look for and i i never saw him play at hoover i don't know if, if you did jay but um you know it, he he has so much raw talent it just seems that it needs some refinement 
Yeah, and only watched him at Hoover, uh, coached against him all the way through park ball from the time they were in, what, first, second oh, grade. Well. <laughs> so I, I've known him and, and seen him and knew that he was going to be a special player from the time uh, we went against him at an early age. Uh, great speed, great athleticism. Um, and, and again, why he was so productive at Hoover, he, he not only was a great thrower and could get it there, he had guys that could go catch the ball. He had great athletes at Hoover. Uh, they could you know, do a lot of things for him. Um, one of them, I think George Pickens was there early in his career. Um, and you look at just the, uh, you know, he's been out of football really for two, what, two years, not playing the position. So he, he needs more work. A seven to 22 is not going to get it done. Big games like this uh, as a quarterback, he had what 3.4 average 75 yards uh, on the game, no touchdowns, but here's the key, no interceptions. He didn't hurt his team uh, and was able to kind of stick to the game plan of what Carnell and his offense and what they wanted to accomplish and stayed within six points of Mississippi State. And also give Mississippi State credit. They they played well. Uh, six and three now, three and three in conference play. But uh, Auburn on a five-game losing skid, and they want to find a way to correct that. But uh, Robbie's going to be fun. He just needs more experience. He needs more players around him. Guys can go catch the ball. He's, he's an outstanding young man and, and a really uh, can be a great player, I think, in this league. And, and he gives you that run pass option that uh, this needed uh, these days in this style of offense, but but especially with the style of defenses uh, that you're going up against. All right, so we'll wrap up hour number two coming up next. Stay with us. We're live from AVX. We'll be back. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner and at the Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can bear with the low at 64. Tomorrow, another unseasonably warm day. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high at 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. As we wrap up hour number two and some NFL news for you as well. Frank Wright out as the coach for the Colts. And uh, now Brian Saturday jumps in as the interim coach. And uh, I mean, sorry, Jeff Saturday. I knew Brian Saturday. Uh, Jeff Saturday. Um, Indianapolis Colts uh, worst offensive performance in recent memory. They said uh, the team fired fifth year head coach Frank Wright. The Colts named Jeff Saturday as their interim coach. Saturday, 47, six-time Pro Bowler, uh, center who played 13 seasons for the Colts, currently an ESPN analyst, has been a consultant for the team, is in the Ring of Honor, and Saturday was also head coach for uh, the, not Saturday, but himself Saturday, was also head coach for the uh, Hebron Christian um, Academy in uh, Dekula, uh, Georgia, for uh, three seasons. So uh, Jeff Saturday now taking over as the uh, head coach. I, I don't know if I've ever seen an interim coach come off of an analyst position to become a head coach for an NFL team. That's uh, crazy. And you know what? It's a bad look for the NFL, uh, especially Urban when Meyer. so so few minority coaches in the NFL. 
why don't you give a minority head coach a chance to prove himself on an interim basis here? I mean, the Colts season has imploded. Um, uh, the, the trade for Matt Ryan was horrific. Uh, but it, 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 this is just uh, it, it is a real head scratcher to me. And I, I know that Jeff Saturday, you know, good guy, uh, um, beloved in Indy. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I've talked to him a couple of times and, you know, uh, smart and he'll do, he'll do a, 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 a figurehead. De- he'll do a decent job, but why not give somebody else a damn chance? Maybe because they're going to go out with seven. Well, they're, they're <laughs> tanking. I mean, there's no question, uh, whether or not they want, uh, Bryce or, uh, Stroud or, um, you know, who, who knows, uh, uh, Will Levis. Right, that's his name from the uh, Kentucky guy. Yeah, yeah. Is he on the short list? For- yeah, I think so. Mm, I got questions about that. Jay, you sold on Will Levis? Yeah, I like Will Levis. Um, I like him a lot, and uh, I think he's an excellent quarterback. I, I don't know if he will be um, how high of a draft pick he'll be, but I know that there's a lot of projection. I think his size, his athleticism, the things that he can do, uh, you know, inside and outside the pocket. I think it's what's going to be key for him you know for all these quarterbacks about what system you fall into um and um I, you know I, I don't know Lars I mean in, in this I mean there's two ways of looking at it one is that you know is, is this thing correctable can you you know put a guy in there as an interim coach I mean is that is that fair to that guy coming in uh whether somebody from the outside or somebody from the organization that you bring I, I would have thought maybe they brought somebody up in the organization um but even yeah. in those moments you know, it can define you uh, as as a coach. Uh, so you know, it can be a kind of a double edged sword there. That you know, you maybe you know get in there, and all of a sudden things turn around, and things are great, or things begin to plummet, and everybody goes, "Man, this guy's not a good head coach," and he's put into a very tough situation. So maybe they felt like having a figurehead like Jeff Saturday, not elevating one of their guys, would would give them a chance to at least get through the season and uh, and begin to look to. Something, something a little bit different. I, I don't know. I don't know if Jeff Saturday will stay as the head coach. I mean, he was a head coach in high school, played there on Ring of Honor. I mean, he's got a lot, a lot of things going for him. But the biggest thing is just, I think, a PR move for the fans that uh, that he's stepping into that role. But Jay, he, he, <laughs> he hasn't even coached at the college level, and he's never coached at the mm-hmm. NFL level. I mean, this, this is just... Uh, is it a throw-in-the-towel measure? It, That's what it yeah, looks like. Yeah, I mean... How do you think the locker room is going to react to this? They're oh, boy, like, Jeff Saturday. I've been wanting him it, for a long time. Yeah, uh, Jeff Saturday, who we never see during the week. He's an analyst who, uh, you know, uh, is on ESPN every uh, day, basically. I, I just, I, I, I think it's horrible. I think it's horrible. And, and to me, the, the only reason you do this is because you're trying to lose games to get the number one overall pick because you don't have a quarterback of the future. You've seen what Sam Ellinger can do. And, uh, Jay, you and I both love Sam Ellinger going back to his Texas days and all the tragedy he's been through in his life. But he is not a franchise quarterback. Uh, And so, you know, they're clearly doing this to try to get either the number one or number two pick in the draft. And, uh, and... I, I don't know. Like, is Bryce Young a number one overall kind of guy? Is is he? Does he have that talent? I'll ask you first, Matt, and then Jay. 
Oh, uh, I don't know. That's the, we asked me later because my my honest answer is I think I'd take C.J. Stroud. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's probably a lot of people would want me to say Bryce Young, but I just he has more of the physical NFL skills, I believe. If you take Bryce's head, put it inside of C.J. Stroud, this guy's going to win 500 games. Yeah. Jay? Nothing against C.J. Stroud's brain, please. <laughs> the um, Yeah, right now, not looking as high as, as it did going into the season. And, you know, look, you know, losses, those type of things, and, and, and plays like the interception uh, at the goal line, um, you know, not coming from behind and winning like he did last year i mean yeah that's going to hurt the perception of it but i mean if you look at this kid and and bryce young and what he's done and and the throws that he makes his his presence in the pocket i mean again the only thing that i think that would hurt him going forward is is not so much his ability or his his skill level his uh, his arm strength his uh, ability to throw guys open those type of things the way that he reads defenses his calmness in the pocket the way that he is able to be such a calming uh, place for not only himself but all the players around in the play uh, with him, uh, I think it's just his stature. I think that's what's going to hurt him uh, because, you know, he's probably 5'9", um, and I say probably 5'9", um, and that that's going to, you know, weigh into the minds of some of these NFL guys going, look, yeah, he's talented, but are there other guys out there that are close to it and that we continue to work with that's going to have the, the, the durability, the stature, and all that that they kind of look for in the NFL. So I think that's the only thing that would hurt him. Uh, I've had a number of people that have asked me because he's not in the Heisman race again, really right now this year. I mean, he's there uh, as the you know former Heisman Trophy winner last year. Uh, he hadn't had quite the year that he had hoped for. Had the injuries. Uh, you know, is, is that going to be a moment where he looks at us and says, "Hey, I can come back, try to work, work for another championship." NIL money is there now, so I can make good money doing that. You know, do you take that chance if you're a player like Bryce Young, or do you head into the NFL? I think he'll look at his draft status, get as much information as possible from them and the guys that they work with on that, as well as with coach Saban and, and figure that out. I know <clears throat> I think a lot of, a lot of Bama fans hoping that maybe the down year would bring uh, Bryce back for his uh, final season, but I'm, I'm just not sure if that would be the case. If I was betting on it, he's gone. Well, that's interesting you say that because uh, in the break, Matt and I were talking about um, what if, it was what possible. What, 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 what? No. What if? What if uh, he could get a fifteen million nil deal Whoa. to come back to Alabama? I mean, fifteen million is what we're hearing that seventeen-year-old kids are getting to sign in different schools, and you have a proven commodity in Bryce Young, and he could fifteen million. He would not make fifteen million, I guess, in base salary his first year in the NFL. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe he comes back. But but Jay, you know, I'm almost five nine too, and uh, you, you've called me a jockey and itty bitty. So I, I'm, <laughs> itty not, bitty I'm not just sure. I'm not. I'm not sure if uh, if Bryce Young is <laughs> ready to roll itty in the NFL. Bitty. That's bad, Jay. That's bad. I, 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 I'll Jeez. tell you this: if he wants a really good nil deal, he should go talk to Jimmy Reigns and Great Southern Wood. He's used to doing these buyouts, so maybe he'll buy him out <laughs> or buy him in <laughs> with the uh, fifteen million dollars. All right, guys. Hey, great oh. Monday show, and I know a tough loss to the Crimson Tide, and they just got to move forward. 24-hour rule, right? Get back to work today and uh, put all that behind you. Thanks to all of our producers there at Tide 100.9 FM. Josh Smith, our producer of all things. Thanks to you for listening each and every day. We'll see you tomorrow for the Tuesday edition.
Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. 